Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you got your Bibles this morning, uh, turn to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 12 and 13. We are ending the series uh, this morning uh, <clears throat> on, the, on the book of Nehemiah. Uh, so I'll just kind of really quick, just kind of get you caught up while you're turning there. If you've missed a few weeks or maybe this is your first Sunday here, the story of Nehemiah is written based on a promise from God 100 years earlier that he would raise up a king named Cyrus and free the Jewish exiles living in Babylon and restore them to their land, their temple, and their life in Jerusalem. So in previous weeks, just kind of uh, back to the beginning, uh, we've seen how God put the desire in Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the walls, giving him vision uh, for the work. So he gave up a very comfortable position to take on this call that God had for him. We've seen <clears throat> Nehemiah face much opposition in the process of rebuilding the wall, but responded to these problems with prayer and never let that hinder the work that God had called him to. We see that God enabled Nehemiah and the Jewish people to build the wall, but the wall that the work wasn't complete until the people rebuilt their lives spiritually. We saw also Ezra read the scriptures to the people, and this resulted uh, in a time of weeping, confession, repentance, and celebration of what God had done for them. And, and this is the last couple of weeks for Brad and Kelsey, and they both did a really good job uh, pinch-hitting, so I appreciate that. The people made a vow last week to re recommit their lives to the Lord, obey His commands when it comes to relationships, money, work, possessions, and the temple. So <clears throat> in the story, we're now coming up. The, the wall of Jerusalem has been built Jerusalem has been repopulated. As many as wanted to come are now living in Jerusalem. And now it is time for the dedication of the wall. They've seen this miracle lived out before them. So now they take a moment to celebrate the fulfillment of the promise, this dedication of the wall. So look at uh, chapter 12 and verse 27. Uh, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived. They were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs and thanksgiving with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. I had the leaders, Nehemiah speaking, go on top of the wall. <clears throat> I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right, uh, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led that procession at the fountain gate. Uh, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall. They passed the side of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction, followed them on top of the wall, together with half the people. The two choirs gave thanks, and then they took took their places in the house of God, so did I, together with the other half of the officials. On that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. So this is a great moment, and here's just, we've read it, but I want to kind of give you a visual image to what happens. So they are dedicating this wall. There are thousands of people that have come to a certain section of Jerusalem for this, for this dedication. <clears throat> so like, let's just say like, this is the wall here, and you are the people gathering. You're facing the wall. So the music starts, the music begins to worship. They're using the, the instruments of David. They refer to the worship of David. So music starts. No one has any idea what is about to happen. They are just gathered for this particular moment. So in the midst 
of the crowd, there are two choirs, two lines of people that start to come in the middle of the crowd. One is led by Ezra, the prophet, the one that has led this, this time of, of encouragement and refreshing. He leads the first choir. Nehemiah leads the second choir. So there's like two lines coming in the midst, coming down to the front of the, of the wall. When they get kind of to the front, Ezra takes his choir, he leads them to the right, they go up the steps, they get on top of the wall, and they are worshiping, they are singing, they are praising God. Nehemiah, he comes this way, they find the steps, they get on top of the wall, and all of these choirs, the music is going. What a powerful moment as you see these two men of God leading this moment. The choirs are there. Now, let me just say something, too. <clears throat> we, we believe in sponta- spontaneity in the Spirit-filled church, following the Lord, following the Spirit of the Lord. It happened when Ezra read the Scripture. They just had this outbreak of Scripture. But this is a little different because it was planned. It was choreographed, okay? They had worked on this. Now, I don't know if they did a chorus line when they got to the top. I don't know how much, but I'm just going, the leaders said, hey, we want to capture this moment. We want people to appreciate the promise, the fulfillment of the promise. This was not just a construction project, you know, that was fulfilled. This was a miraculous promise that was fulfilled right before us. So they are on the wall. They are singing. If you can kind of get that picture in your mind, they are worshiping because this wall is symbolic of a miracle and a promise that happened 150 years before. So I want to just remind you about the promises of God just for a moment. And I use these first two lines in the very first message of this series because I want to just remind you about God's promises. Number one, God's promises are obligations that he puts upon himself. When God promises something, he's saying to you, I or a people, I am going to do this for you regardless of what the situation looks like. That's a promise. God's promises are obligations that he puts upon himself. A promise is only as good as the person making it. It doesn't matter what the promise says, what will happen. What is important is the character and the trustworthiness of the person making that particular promise. So, if you'll remember... Years before, 150 years before, there was the prophet Jeremiah and Isaiah that said, there's going to be a day that the Jewish people are going to live in captivity, and I'm going to raise up a king. His name is going to be Cyrus, and he is going to set those Jewish people free and let them go back to their land. This is even before the people are, you know, are, uh, are, are, are uh, in, in exile. So finally, because of their wickedness, they, they are captured by the Babylonian army, Nebuchadnezzar. They are taken back to live in Babylon, and the clock ticks. That promise, that promise that was given before anybody even knew the context of what was about to happen, but God had given a promise. He had obligated himself, and a promise is not just about the strength of the words. It's about the character and the trustworthiness of the person making the promise. So they are living in Babylon in terrible conditions. All of a sudden, a man named Cyrus becomes the king of Persia. He invades Babylon. He take, you know, he knocks down Nebuchadnezzar or, uh, or, or his government at that particular time. And all of a sudden, we see this promise that, that God had made a long time ago. We had seen this promise come to pass. So I, I just want to remind you, if you're holding to a promise this morning, if you feel like God through his word or his spirit has spoken something to you. It doesn't matter about the circumstances. It doesn't matter about the time that has elapsed. If God spoke it to you, then God will bring it to pass. If you have a promise from God, somewhere along the way it's going to be tested. 
Somewhere along the way, it's going to be tested, okay? And if it's a promise that God, you know, we, we, we think sometimes when God gives a promise, it just kind of falls into our lap. It just happens because it's God. God's will, God's plan, we just think that it happens and it's just going to be executed perfectly. And then we come into shocking reality sometimes that even God's promises go through trials and tests. I want to say to you this morning, if you have a promise from God and you are holding it this morning, all right, God has not left you because there are challenges to that promise. He is the God that gave you the promise. He is the God that's going to keep you in the midst of the season that you are in. And He is the God because of His character and His trustworthiness that will bring this promise to pass. I promise you that this morning. So for those who are waiting on a promise, don't give up. He is working all things together for His good. And in his time, he's going to bring that promise to uh, about, and you can rely on God, and you can rely on his promises. Would you give the Lord praise this morning? You can do that. <clears throat> I haven't preached in two weeks. I'm going hoarse already on point one. So, so let me just say, too, <clears throat> there may be things about God's promises that are going up and down, you know, like sometimes time lapse happens and you're going, Lord, have you forgotten this? I haven't seen any movement to this promise in a long time. Now, I just want to just say something this, this morning. There are things about God's promises and His timing that I do not understand, okay? My background is in theology and I've given my life over to the study and the preaching of Scripture, but there are simply times that I have no idea what God is doing or how God is working on behalf of His kids. But I want to say to you that the greatest promise that God has ever given us is that one day we will all live with Him in eternity and enjoy the glories of heaven forever. And it will be in that moment that all of your questions about God, His promises, what happened, what did not happen on the earth will cease and you will have understanding of what God is doing. But in the midst of that, you will enjoy the pleasures of eternity because that's a promise that He made for everyone. Can't wait for that day. Can't wait for that day. Now, history tells us in the midst of this promise with all of these people that had the opportunity to to go live, you know, go live back in Jerusalem. History tells us that a good number of Jewish people ignored the promise of God for deliverance and decided to remain in Babylon or Persia. Remember, Persia took over Babylon. So that's kind of puzzling. Like, who, who wants to stay behind? Why would you not? I mean, if, you, if God's spoken to you, you know, given you that open door, why would you not want to go. Well, a couple of things that came to my mind. Some of the Jews probably refused to move due to the comforts of Babylon, Persia, and they accepted the Babylonian lifestyle, okay? They become comfortable in the midst of Babylon and Persia. You know, there was lots of money there. There was lots of opportunity. If you remember the story of Daniel, there was a lot of opportunity for advancement in academics and government. It was a place that was known for sensuality and very, little, very loose on moral rules. And many of those Jewish people had become part of that Babylonian system. They were comfortable living where they were and they were begin to live in disobedience, but they didn't even know it because they were blind. They had adjusted to this Babylonian lifestyle. I want to remind the people of God this morning, if you are not careful... You can get comfortable in this polluted world. You are not offended by its messages anymore. You are not convicted by what you see, act, or do. You are, you, you are become happy and you are complacent. I want to tell you, you know, it's the old, the old song that we used to sing in the church. This world is not my home. I'm just 
passing through. I want to remind you this morning that God has given us a, a message of freedom and deliverance and uh, moral freedom. And if we're not careful, we'll get too comfortable, too attached to this world. Some of those Jewish people stayed in Babylon because they were so comfortable there. There's some other, why, why do you think not everyone went? Well, also... Um, some of the Jews probably elected not to return due to the amount of work it would take to reestablish the nation. Jerusalem was going to have to be rebuilt. This was not an easy challenge. Listen to me. God's promises sometimes involve hard work, perspiration, and a little stress. I have noticed God's promises don't involve vacations, beaches, and wonderful dinners on the weekend. Okay? So sometimes God's promises, you know that God's going to help you, but there's a lot of work that you got to do to get it going. Rebuilding the wall, physically rebuilding the wall, removing the rubble, reestablishing the walls, the foundations, all of that, it was hard work, and there might have been people that just said, you know what, I'm enjoying it here. Sometimes the promises of God are hard work. Don't let that keep you away from walking in to the promise of God because there's a blessing on the other side. And then just last part about that. When you don't live out a promise given to you by God, there could be consequences. So there were thousands of people that stayed behind in Babylon and Persia. They had the, they had the, uh, the promise. They had the, the legal right to immigrate and go back to Israel, but they stayed. They had the opportunity, and they stayed. So sometimes there are consequences when God gives you a promise, opens a door, and you don't do anything. Now, what happened? To those Jews that stayed in Babylonian Persia, if you fast forward in the Old Testament, <clears throat> you come to the story of Esther. And remember King Mordecai, one of the very first things that he did, he put a death sentence out for all of those Jewish people that were living, you know, that were living there at that particular time. All right. They they had a death sentence. They were supposed to be free. They were never supposed to have known the fear of what was about to happen, that genocide that was about to happen, but they had an opportunity to move, and they didn't do it, and it almost cost them their lives. So I'm just saying, when God opens a door, all right, you need to go through it because you don't know what's left if you, you stay behind. So that's kind of the dedication part of that, okay, the very, in, in chapter 12. I want to look at 13... Uh, for, for a few moments. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah, as we go to 13, they've dedicated the, the temple, or the, the wall, you know, things are going well. Nehemiah goes back to Babylon, Persia for a little while. We'll read that. And then he comes back and he sees a covenant that was broken. Now, in the last two weeks with Brad and Kelsey, they talked about this covenant that the Jewish people had made. Uh, <clears throat> you know, just, it was a, the, the publicly signed covenant was an agreement to honor God in their relationships, you know, that they wouldn't marry outside their faith. The Sabbath, not just about, you know, not working, but the Sabbath is a statement about your entire life. They would honor the Sabbath and their lifestyle. They would live holy lifestyles. So this came after this great time of prayer. They get everyone together, and they make this covenant. And they even, if you remember uh, from a couple weeks ago, they... They even wrote their names to this covenant. Nehemiah 9.38 says, In view of this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, our priests are affixing their seals to it. So they made this written covenant, very unusual. They made this written covenant, but God had stirred their hearts. God had awakened them, and they were going, We do not want to lose this moment. What God is saying to us what has been revealed to us. We don't want to lose this, so we're going to live by this, and we're going to sign our names to this covenant. So <clears throat> Nehemiah is there at the moment that, that this covenant is signed. So I want to read, and, and, and I want you to see what happens to this covenant you know, over the period of months. So Nehemiah 13 and 4. <clears throat> now before this, Eliashib, the priest having authority over all the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah. He had prepared for him a large room where previously they had stored the grain offerings, 
the, fr- the frankincense, the articles, the tithes of grain, the wine and oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites, singers, and the gatekeepers. But during all of this, I was not in Jerusalem. In the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Do you remember when Nehemiah left initially? He said, hey, I'm going to let you go, but you got to come back at some point. So Nehemiah goes back. And then after certain days, I obtained leave from the king. And I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah in preparing a room for him in the, in the courts of the Lord, uh, the courts of the house of God. It grieved me bitterly, therefore I threw out all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room. And then I commanded them to cleanse the rooms. I brought back into them the articles of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. So he throws the stuff out. So here's Eliashib, he's the priest. He's the priest. He's the one that watches over the temple and, and he's also a relative of Tobiah. Now, if you remember Tobiah, remember from the very first of this story, he was a Canaanite. He was a godless Canaanite. He opposed them, like from chapter 2. He opposed the building. He opposed Nehemiah. He, he opposed the walls. He, he spread lies, intimidation, Tobiah threats of violence. And now he's living in the temple. He's living in the temple, okay? Nehemiah is so angry about this that he takes his stuff and he just throws it out of the temple. Now, let me just say something here about this. We always, we always want to be open to people, you know, or, or want to be in relationship with people who believe and behave differently than we do. You know, that's part of, you know, that's part of evangelism. Jesus made friends with those who had religious differences and their lifestyles were different. You know, I think we always need to lean toward that. Being friendly with someone doesn't mean that you condone the lifestyle that they're in. So I, you know, I just want to say that to you as well. But also, there comes a point in some relationships where some relationships need to be ended, okay? They're, they're not good. They're not healthy. They're even toxic physically, emotionally, or spiritually. We need to be careful who we attach ourselves to. So I just want to say there are times in our lives where, you know, we just have to cut some people, all right? I don't think that's the proper terminology today. I don't want you cutting people, okay? Uh, we need to remove them from our life, okay? Can we edit that out of the video? Do not cut people. Let me just say that very clearly, okay? But there are times that we need to go, this person's got to go. This person's got to go. You know, uh, we, we, we as believers, we want to have, op- you know, open uh, relationships with people that, you know, maybe aren't believers. That's part of evangelism and as well. But there are times that the relationship is no good, and it needs to go. So Nehemiah sees compromise when he comes back. He's been away from a little while. The first place he goes to is the temple. And who's living in the temple? The most evil person that you could get has got a rent-free room. Actually, they had booted out the worship pastor, the the Levites. They had booted him out, put Tobiah to live there, and the priest was leading, you know, and allowing one of the worst people in the world to live in the temple. So that that bothers Nehemiah. What is going on here? All right, so keep reading in verse 15. In those days, I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath, bringing in the sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, and figs, and all kinds of burdens which they had brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. I warned them uh, about the day on which they were selling provisions. Men of Tyre dwelt there and, and brought fish in and all kinds of good and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and Jerusalem. Then I con- contended with the nobles and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do by which you profane the Sabbath? Did your fathers not do this and did not they bring God, bring, uh, bring, 
they not, our God, bring disaster on all of us on this city? And you've added wrath on Israel by by profaning the Sabbath, verse 19. So I, I was at the gates of Jerusalem. It began to get dark before the Sabbath. I commanded the gates to be shut and they and charged that they not be open till after the Sabbath. Then I posted some of my servants on the gates that no burdens would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now the merchants and the sellers and all and all their kinds of wares lodged outside the city once or twice. I warned them and said to them, why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. This is not a prayer reference. Let me just say that, okay? So when people say, hey, I want to lay hands on you, it can have double meaning sometimes. So from that time on, they came no more on the Sabbath. So part of this original covenant they had signed was that they were going to live by the Sabbath. Now listen to me. The Sabbath, honoring the Sabbath is not just about attending church on Sunday. When I honor the Sabbath with my life, it says that, that God is central to my life. That church and worship are going to be part of the Sabbath. Tithing, giving is going to be part of the Sabbath. Resting and, 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 and uh, fellowshipping is going to be part of my life. So they had made this covenant we're going to honor the Sabbath. We're not working. We're going to worship. We're going to provide for the, for the house of the Lord. And, you know, like we, we think that revival and renewal only comes through prayer and worship. But to them, honoring the Sabbath was an important part of that. And I want to say that to our congregation, okay? I appreciate prayer and worship as far as your devotional life. But we need to make sure that we are honoring the Sabbath as well. It was part of the covenant. It was part of the covenant. Hey, we've been, we've been a little slack on what the Sabbath means, that holy day to the Lord. So they were not, they were, they were not living out the, the Sabbath. And let me, let me say, too, part of the Sabbath, too, is, is faith because you don't work on Sabbath. Now, listen, most of us have jobs where our, our income is not affected whether we work on the Sabbath or all. If you're self-employed, maybe you kind of understand the pressure some of these folks were under because back then if you were a farmer or you sold, if you didn't sell something, you know, if you just took a day off, there was no income, you know. So the Sabbath is about faith as well and just trusting God for your, you know, for provision. So honoring the Sabbath is about placing God at the center of your life being faithful to the house of God in attendance and giving and trusting God with your finances. So they had realized they, that, that, that honoring the Sabbath was a, a big part of this uh, covenant that they had made. And now Nehemiah comes back, and they've walked away from several of these, these commitments that they had made from the Lord. They're seeing, seeing this covenant in a very short period of time. They're walking back. From this covenant. And I want to just say to you as well, I just want to put this in your heart this morning. If we're not careful, there can be slow compromises over the period of our lives and commitments that we made at the altar years ago. We have faded and moved from those, uh, from, from those commitments. We kind of walk back. Things happen. Some kind of tragedy or something that I don't understand about faith and and this, this commitment that we made, we begin, to, we begin to walk away from it. Or you're just kind of cold in your heart, and there's just been this slow drift over the course of your life, and it hasn't, it, it, maybe in the last few years, it hasn't been anything intentional. You haven't changed your doctrinal beliefs in Jesus on the cross, just that your heart has become a little cold, and you look at yourself now, Versus maybe five, ten years ago, and you realize that you are not the same person spiritually in your life. That's a moment that we need to wake ourselves back up. Nehemiah has come back to visit, and he's seeing them slowly stray from the covenant that they had made. Look at verse 23. Also in those days I saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Amnon, and Moab. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod. 
and could not speak the language of Judah. So they knew the Babylonian language. They did not know Hebrew. <clears throat> and they spoke according to the language of one or the other people. Verse 25. So I contended with them and cursed them, struck some of them, pulled their hair, made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. Verse 26, did Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all of Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused him to sin. Should we then hear of your doing this great evil, transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? So, so he comes back and he sees this covenant Again, the deterioration of this covenant. Now, I want to stop here just for a second. And I want to talk about Nehemiah because there's several things that have kind of I've accentuated here, but I want to bring your attention to. Nehemiah is a good man with right intentions, but he has a problem with anger and a quick temper. Okay? We saw it earlier, like in chapter 2. Remember his prayer? You know, his prayer about the destruction of, of enemies and... Now we see him, he's throwing furniture out of the temple. He's threatening people with violence. And now he's, he's you know, he's, he's attacked these people as well. He goes violent. He says, literally, he's pulling their beard out. All right? And they, they pray this prayer. He made them swear by God saying, you shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. Well, what kind of prayer of repentance is that? It's a, it's a prayer of, uh, to save my life. I'll say anything to get this nut off of me and stop pulling my beard out. All right? So I want to I just say something here. All right? He's angry. He's disappointed, you know, with, with all the covenant and everything. And I, I just want to say to you, you know, you, you can be... Uh, a good person that loves the Lord, but you can have an issue with your anger and your temper, okay? And we need to, we need to watch this, okay? You know, don't, don't, uh, don't walk out, you know, and don't quote, you know, uh, Nehemiah back to me. I'm going home to talk to my kids, and I'm going to use chapter, verse 25 is my, is my foundation there, okay? So listen, many people, they struggle, even as believers, with anger and temper, Paul says in Ephesians, be angry and don't sin. That there are going to be things that are going to be upsetting to us. But, but we've got to learn to deal with that and have self-control, which is, and I understand Nehemiah was so irritated, but man, the way he handled that was just absolutely wrong. So I, I want to say if that's you, if you find yourself as a believer and you get upset but you are using profanity or you're using harsh words toward people or threatening words or threats of violence or even violence itself, you need to come back to the foot of the cross. This is not something that believers do. You need to allow God to, to work a work of grace and patience in your life. All right? Don't look at Nehemiah and go, well, that's my roadmap forward. No, it's not. No, it's not, all right? We're also seeing the fruit of the relationships without God at the center, okay? So now they, they had agreed not to, you know, marry outside of their faith, okay? And, and, and they had done that, and now you see the fruit of this with their, you know, with their kids. So this is a, this is a warning to, and it, for, for every single young adult, okay? Like, <clears throat> we don't, you know, the, the Bible tells us don't marry outside of our faith, okay? Find somebody that, that loves Jesus and that lives for the Lord. Now, now, saying that doesn't mean that I think we're superior or that we're better, but this is about the foundation of relationships. So, if the most important thing to me is my, my service to Jesus and my living for the Lord, all right, that's the most important thing, and it's foundational to me. And then I find somebody else 
who doesn't believe in God or, or they're not, you know, maybe they go to church occasionally or maybe, you know, they're not discipled. They just kind of use a, you know, a go to church from time to time. Then what you've got, you've got a foundation issue. You've got an issue where a relationship from the very beginning is not going to be balanced. And the Lord says, stay, stay away from that. You know, listen, trust the Lord. He'll bring the right person at the right time to, you know, to, to you as well. But entering, sometimes we're afraid of loneliness. Everybody on social media has you know, got, got someone, and I feel, I feel bad about myself. So we start making compromises here in, in, in our relationships. And I promise you, it, it, is gonna, it will be chaotic to you later. So he's, just, he's, he's, he's seeing the fruit of these people that have made this compromise over a period of time. So I just want to tell you, you're a young adult, you know, high school, college age, just trust the Lord. You know, just at the right time, you just live by God's word. Live by God's word. Just trust him, you know, at the right time. You know, if that's his plan at the, at the moment, that will be revealed to you. Don't make compromises in this area. And then the last part is that we're seeing the difficulty of raising kids in a culture that is the opposite of Christian values. So these people, their kids don't even speak Hebrew. <laughs> They've been raised to think like Babylonians and Persians. These are Hebrews. These are, these are, are kids that should know the, the Torah and the Ten Commandments and be fluent in, in Hebrew, but they don't even speak. They don't even know anything about it. They, they're not convicted because they don't, they, it's, never been, it's never been taught to them. And I want to just say very, very quickly to our, our parents here, casual parenting in this day will not produce strong believers, okay? And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what the church does, all right? This is going to come back to the home and the way that you deal with the culture that is, you know, that is so common and prominent uh, in our life. The cultural tide is too strong, not to talk to our children on a regular basis about these cultural shifts, especially when they are the opposite of, of God's Word, okay? Casual parenting in this, maybe it could have gotten you by 20 years ago. It is a different world today trying to raise young, young men and women that love the Lord. To me personally, I believe the new religion of the United States is the LGBTQ agenda. I just, it's, they treat it like a, a religion. They introduce it. They advocate it. Forced assimilation and the enforcement, if you don't adhere to this, is coming and it's going to take wise parents who are engaged and involved with their kids navigating bobbing and weaving as this tide of, of, of filth comes upon the, the house of God and the families of God, all right? The most influential pulpits of today are not in the church. They are movie producers, movies, actors, singers, social media influencers, and they will use their influence with our children to, to uh, in, enculturate them with their own morals, Okay? We, we, we can't just take a pass and be silent anymore, parents. We've got, we've got, or your kids are going to be like these kids that we just read about. They're not going to know God's Word. They're not going to have the knowledge of God's Word. You're going to have to be more involved, you know, with your kids' discipleship than you ever have before. If you think dropping them on Sunday and Wednesday night is just going to be enough. You're wrong because the tide of what we face is, is so constant and in your face all the time. Every time you, you open your phone or you watch something on television, there is some ungodly belief that's coming across. So as a parent, you can't take a pass anymore and go, hey, I'll make sure that they're at church. That's not going to get it in today's world. It's not going to get it. Final, I want the worship team to come, all right? Final, here's the closing statements of Nehemiah, all right? Verse 29, his closing prayer. Remember them, O oh my God, because they defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Remember me, O oh God. Remember me, O oh God, for good. Well, that's a nice prayer, isn't it? You know, like... Hey, look at those bad folks over there, but hey, look who's looking good right here, okay? If, if you ever get a book that says, uh, pray the prayers of Nehemiah, I want you to throw that away. Don't do that, okay? 
This is like the second or third time he's prayed this kind of prayer, pointing out the sin of others, but reminding God what a good person you are. And actually, it ought to be just the opposite, where we're broken for the lost and the iniquities of other people. But when we look at our own lives, there's a sense of humility and realizing how short we have fallen from the Lord. So that needs to be, that needs to be reversed. So he comes back and he sees this covenant you know, from this, this moment of revival, he sees this covenant that they signed in glory. Everybody, we're going to live by this. And then over a period of time, step by step, in every part, they, they've kind of turned their back on, on this covenant. They've gone back to their old ways of life and their old, their old patterns. Okay. This morning, I want to close. I want to close the series this morning. And I want to do it with communion. I want to do it with communion. If you're online... Uh, in just a few moments, I want to you know, get your emblems ready, and I'll give you instruction to that as well. So I want to tell you kind of how I want to end this series, because I have a covenant for you and I this morning as well. We're going to do a song of worship. We're going to sing promises. It's a song about the promises of God and His faithfulness to bring our promises, you know, bring about promises. And then there's just a part about that that's going to tie us to the New Testament when we make this declaration of our, our faith in Jesus. Then I'm going to read a covenant to you, and I want you to recite it with me. And it's appropriate for communion, but it also incorporates some of the, the thoughts of, of Nehemiah as well. All right. And then after that, after we recite that covenant, we're going to take communion together. I'll lead you through that moment, and then and then we're just going to worship for another moment. So this is a moment here that if you may feel like you've drifted, you know, like you've, you know, like maybe you're kind of like the Jewish people. You've made this covenant, you've made this statement, and then you look at your life, and man, you are far away from your intention. This is that moment to kind of bring yourself back. Now, let me say too. We practice open communion here. You do not have to be a member, you know, to take communion. We welcome everyone if you're a follower of Jesus. And our ushers uh, will have some communion emblems at the back. If you weren't served initially, just step back there and they'll, they'll give you communion. Would you stand with me this morning? And we're going to just sing about God's promises. Then we're going to that, make that covenant. We're going to take communion together. Michaela, lead us. declaration.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So on the screen, they're going to put some lines of a covenant that I want us to make together as followers of Jesus and as those that attend this church. And I want us to recite them together, okay? We want to make a fresh covenant. We want to start back over. Some of you have been slow drifting out of faith. Here's your moment to kind of go, Lord, this is that moment. Then we're going to seal seal this with communion. So the initial part, and I'll get you to recite the others later, as followers of Jesus and believers of Generations Church, we make a covenant together to the first word. First one, would you recite it with me? Honor Jesus as our Lord in all areas of our lives. The next part of this covenant, live out the teachings of Jesus. The next line, live a life and lifestyle that is pleasing to the Lord. Support the house of the Lord with prayers, faithful attendance, and giving. Do our best to know him better by reading the Bible and praying regularly. Honor Jesus in our relationships and remembering the Sabbath. Commit ourselves to reaching the lost, serving the broken, and fulfilling the Great Commission until our Lord returns. If you'll take that bread. Thank you, Lord. 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 So, Lord, we stand as a church body today. We are so thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. And, Lord, to us this morning, it's not just a compelling story, but, Lord, it's a part of our life that we want to honor and live by. So we do today as they did in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, we make a covenant together, sealed by the death and resurrection of the Lord. We covenant this together. We are mindful of the cross of Jesus, and we come together as followers of Jesus and as part of this church. And Lord, we remember you, but Lord, we make this statement and this covenant together with communion. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread together. Take the juice. Being mindful of the sacrifice of our Lord. But it's not just a story that we read, but we want to give our lives, pledge our lives to that. Let's take this cup together.
Thank you, Lord. We worship you today. <clears throat> we worship you today, Lord. We worship you today. And Lord, when you return, let us find this church busy about the Father's business. Lord, let us be living lives pleasing to you. Let us be close to you and hear your voice and know your word. Lord, let us live lives that are pleasing, live lives of holiness and godliness. Lord, let us be about the work of the master's business. Lord, uh, caring for the broken and the lost. Lord, sending missionaries. Lord, let us be doing your work. Lord, Nehemiah was disappointed when he came back. Lord, we don't want you to be disappointed at this church when you come back, these believers. So, Lord, we covenant today. We covenant today to live for you. And, Lord, we believe your best days for this church are in the future. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you thanks. Would you give him praise this morning? Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.